I'm Sonia, I'm one of the pastors of this church, and today it looks like, well, we got, uh, uh, we got the second string today. Ah, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, that's not true. We got, we got the A team today, folks, right? Good amen? amen. Come on. Amen. Jordan is uh, in the Dominican Republic today. He is, uh, he's shared in some past sermons about this boat project that he has been following on a sniff from God. I smell a boat, and the boat is in the Dominican Republic. So he is there working on a boat covered with fiberglass, trying to stay alive, eating mostly cliff bars, because um, they don't really understand vegetarianism in the Dominican Republic. So pray for him, and when you see him, comment on his girlish figure. Uh, and I guess uh, Kwok is not feeling well today, so we send blessings to those men and Lila, and we bless them. Hi, guys. We're, we're okay. We're doing all right. We're here. Today, we have a great pleasure. We've been waiting for this all year. We couldn't wait for Jordan to get off island so that Connor could deliver. Pastor Connor Hendricks could deliver a great word for us today. As much as Jordan and I... Uh, mock him. It's all in love. We are so thrilled to have Connor on our team. And uh, he's just done an incredible job just bringing, just bringing what he has to our youth. And so we're really thrilled to have him today. He's been, this has been a word that's been working on his spirit for some time. So um, be interactive, folks. Yeah, he's got something to give to you guys. Good morning, everybody. You want to find a way to your seat? You see, Sonia's trying to make up for that second string comment by cheering loudly now. But don't you worry. I keep a record of wrongs. It's biblical. You can look it up. Or set the bar low so that then I shock you with my wisdom when it comes. That's the hope today. Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Super duper. Awesome. Um, it's really, really fun to be up here. It's funny, this is like the first full service that I've attended in like a year and a half because I'm always downstairs in the basement room, the one that like floods a little bit in the bottom with all of the youth and we have a great time down there um, and we just talk about you guys and what you guys must be doing up here. But it's really nice to be up here with all of you guys. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Connor Hendricks. I'm the youth pastor here. Thank you, Jordan. Um, and I, um, you've probably seen me around, but usually in shorts with a hat, just dripping sweat, sometimes with a Nerf gun in my hand, and that's kind of how I, I usually present myself to the congregation. So this is a bit different today. I pulled my hair back and everything. Uh, but so I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to get started into our, our message for today. Um, so Lord, we thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to gather together. Um, and I thank you so much for the opportunity to just be able to speak with everybody today. And um, I just invite your presence in here right now. Um, and that everyone would hear what's on your heart for them today. And that you would use me in whatever way to, to help with that process. So we just open up our hearts and our ears to hear you this morning, God. And we give it to you. Um, and I pray that, yeah, that we will be hearing from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so my sermon topic today, and I've been thinking about this for a little bit of time now, is how should faith feel? 
And a lot of this comes from me being downstairs with the youth group, and they're like, but why should we do this, though? And that's kind of the sentiment of a lot of things. Yes, from the youth that are in the room? They're like, yeah. Not Ariel. Ariel always has the right answers to everything. So not Ariel. Maybe you two in the back, though. I'm just kidding, guys. No, but they're like, okay, so like, why should we do this? Kind of what's the benefit? And I love that about a teenager. It's just kind of this raw why. Like this, like, okay, yes, I understand. Like my parents have taken me to church. Like I'm supposed to go to church. This is supposedly the right thing to do. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I love that they're like, why though? Well, why, why should we do this? Why should this be a part of my life? And what does it feel like? If I'm doing this right, what does it feel like? So that's my warm-up question to all of you today is, how should faith feel? Um, no, that's my sermon title. My warm-up question is, what was the time in your life that you did something in faith? How did that feel? I want to hear from you guys. So you guys can go ahead and shout out answers. Scary. Scary. Okay. Anybody else? Com- uncomfortable or comfortable? Comfortable? Okay. Thrilling? Thrilling. Ooh, I like it. Freeing? Ooh, I like that too. That's really good. Anybody else? Right. Just, this is right. This is the right thing to do. Interesting. Okay, yeah. For me, it feels like it doesn't feel comfortable, maybe like it does for you. I actually feel a little bit uncomfortable. I feel like I'm overstepping what I should be doing and what's socially acceptable, especially out there in the world. Sometimes it's even awkward, but definitely it's exciting. So I agree with you, Joe. It is thrilling. There is this like anticipation that, oh my gosh, something is going to happen. I feel like I'm putting myself out there, but something is definitely going to happen. Um, When you're doing something in faith, you usually will have no problem focusing on the risk, but if you really have faith, then you'll focus on the reward. There's all these things that we can think of. We're like, oh man, it would take a lot of faith for me to do that because it has maybe this feeling of discomfort or like people are going to think I'm really weird if I do this. But if you take that and you focus on the reward instead, it becomes a lot easier to do, and it kind of moves from like, this is weird, to wow, this is really exciting, this is freeing, this is something I really want to do. And all of that like social awkwardness, that anxiety, the unacceptability of it kind of starts to dissipate, starts to go away because you see this could be really what happens, this reward could be what is on the other side of this. Um, So today I'm going to tell a story. It's a classic youth group story because it's David and Goliath. That's, you know, a super fun one, super easy. Everybody gets into that. It's been popular for years, and it's known even outside of the church as one of these great stories of overcoming. So that'll be my Bible scripture that I use today, and I want to tell you guys then also a couple stories from my life of how this has played out and how this has worked. Um... So, but the, the main verse that I want to focus on today, so that if you were to take one verse away from today and you're like, okay, I could apply this to whatever Connor's saying today, and this is one that I use with the youth all the time, so they will know this very, very well, is Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe 
that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And it's both, right? And so a lot of the times it's like when you're doing this faith thing, you, you're like, okay, I believe that God exists. I can get on board with that. There's obviously some kind of a creator. That's not the stretch for people, right? I mean, for some it is. But like uh, for most people, especially if you're coming to church, you're like, okay, I, I could at least entertain the thought that God exists. But what he's like is where we all get into all kinds of problems. Is he good? Is he, is he mad at me? Is he like pointing his finger at that thing that I did last week when I yelled at that guy on the H1 because they don't know how to merge right by the university? This is not coming from personal experience whatsoever. Just came to me, probably word of the Lord came to me at the top of my head. Uh, but we have to believe that he, er, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that's really where it starts to get tough. Because we're like, okay, we're going to step out, we're going to do this thing. Is it going to work out? Is it going to be good? And that's really where you start exercising faith. And something we're fond of saying around here is that faith is uh, an exercise in trusting God. That's what life is. We're just exercising that. And we're, we have this period of time in our lives where we're here on earth, and then we have eternity to be with Jesus. And this is the only time that we have that we can exercise that faith. And that's where the exercise comes in. So my biblical example today, David and Goliath, is a story about faith, awkwardness, and rewards. You've probably heard this before, but I'll give you the premise just in case you're a little bit rusty on your scripture. So David and Goliath. Goliath is this guy who's trying to defy the Israelites. He's I, I looked it up several different times, and there's a couple different measurements for how tall this guy is. But I've come to the conclusion that he would almost hit his head on the rafter beams, according to all the different biblical literature review things that I've said. He's nine and a half feet tall. He's a longboard. He would probably need a 15-foot board in order to get out at Waikiki. He's huge. He's this huge, huge guy, and he is saying, you know what? I will take any one of you Israelites, because I don't think that there's anybody in the nation of Israel who could take me on because I'm huge and my sword is longer than all of your body lengths are. And so that's kind of just this thing that he puts out there. And all the Israelites, they're super scared. And it says for numbers of days that they will not send somebody to go challenge him. This is a great deal if you think about it, because it means that both the armies don't have to like have a bunch of people that die. It's just this guy and this guy, and then just one of them dies. Like, you know, that's a lot better than it could have been with, you know, thousands and thousands. Just one guy, one guy. It's an interesting proposal, but nobody is willing to go forward and fight him. And our hero of this story, David, that's a spoiler alert, David is the hero of the story, he is not even at the battle lines. All of his bigger, stronger, older brothers are at the battle, and he is out tending sheep. So that is the lay of the story, and his dad goes, hey, you know, take a break from tending sheep, go out there, give your brothers some food, they need a little bit more of the protein shake so that they can take on the big guy, and then come back. So David goes out there. Um, and so we pick up at 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you have your, your paper Bibles. Most people don't. Most people just look at the screen over here. Um, and it says, now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out, this is Goliath, 
to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Now, how old you are and how many taxes you've paid before, different things about this passage will be attractive to you if you were to kill Goliath. Um, the tax, yeah, I'm getting there, yeah. So David, he's there, he's giving his brothers the food, and he's asking. So this is what the Israelites have been saying amongst themselves, and he's like uh, asking the people near him, he hasn't heard this yet, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should divide the armies of the living God? And then they repeated what had been told, uh, what had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man that kills him. And then David's older brother, <laughs> Eliab, heard him speaking with the men, and he burned with anger at him and said, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is that you only came here to watch the battle. David said, Now what have I done? I, can't I even speak? And he turned away <laughs> to someone else, and he brought up the same matter. He's like, oh, So what? What's in it for the guy again? Like that they kills the big guy? Okay, just tell me again. Okay. He brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. Saul, if you don't know, was the king. So, like, he's asking everybody, you know, what's the tax break? Like, yeah, I can write this off, and I can do this, and, oh, there's marriage? Okay, okay. You know, because this guy... He's, he's not wealthy. He's out in the fields doing the kind of lowest of the low jobs. He's just a laborer. And he's like, oh, this maybe would be a good opportunity to get out of there. Great wealth, marriage. Okay, I'm on board. Um, and so David says to Saul, so Saul sent for him. So it's like, ooh, maybe, maybe he's in trouble. David said to Saul, let no one lose a heart on account of this Philistine, your servant, We'll go and fight him. Now, what I want to focus on here is how weird this is. This is basically a teenage boy. Um, can I get a teenage boy, for example? Jordan, can you wave your hand? Jordan? Yep. He's a short teenage boy. It also says in the Bible, very handsome. Yeah, yeah give it up for Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, I can see you turning red from here. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yeah. This is a teenage boy, and we've got somebody the size of a longboard with a huge sword the size of Jordan. Yeah, so this is weird already. This is immediately weird. All these other guys have been doing, you know, their best diets. They've been pumping the iron. They don't go out and fight the guy but for 30 days, but, like, if anything else breaks out, they're ready. So these guys have been working out. They're ready to go. And then this kid is like, no, I got this, because nobody else has had the courage to actually go out and fight the big guy. But David, for some reason, does. And if you just could put yourself in the situation, you're Saul, you're like, I don't know. Like, no offense, but you're kind of small. Like, good-looking kid, obviously. A little skinny. Now, I don't know if you could even hold up this sword, anything like that. It's socially awkward. This is not really acceptable. Nobody just at a first glance thinks, this is going to work. This is going to go really well. They're like, well... He'll be easier to carry in his dead body afterwards because he's a little bit lighter than the other guys. So that's kind of the, oh, this is like weird. But if you put yourself in the situation, you can get on board with King Saul and be like, no, this is weird. This is not a good idea. 
Um, and I love what David does next. So first, Saul's reply is, you are not able to go out and fight against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, and this is what I love, and there's something in here that all of us can utilize as well. Sorry, I'm going to get some water so you don't have to listen to my dry mouth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or bear came out and carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned to me, I seized it by the hair. I struck it and I killed it. Sorry for all the graphic. The Bible is rated R. I don't know if you guys knew that already, but it's, it's a little bit graphic in there. Okay, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He gives Saul his faith resume. He's like, here are the things that God's already done. I'm going to take this, show it to you, make it a little bit applicable, and then give you enough faith. So what he's doing by giving this faith resume, and we talk about this all the time at Blue Water, is you have to like build the faith atmosphere. you got to build the faith of the room so that they actually believe that something is going to happen as well. This is also what you have to do with teenagers, but we'll get there. I just saw you over there, Zave. You're too tall as a teenage boy to use this as an example in these, though. You're, you're getting closer to the Goliath size. <laughs> Sorry, Zave. But... Yeah, so I lost my train of thought completely. Okay, yeah, yeah, so he hands him his faith resume. He hands that faith resume out, and he's like, this is the things that I've done. It doesn't totally apply to, like, beating warrior giants, but, like, a little bit, you know? Like, but a little bit, there is something that's applicable here. He hands him the faith resume. And for some reason, Saul takes this and believes him and says, go and the Lord be with you. Now, Saul is also well aware that, you know, like you shouldn't just kind of go out exactly as you're dressed right now. And so then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Again, now we're getting socially weird again. This is awkward. Like, he's taking off the armor. He's taking off the helmet. All of the things that were like, okay, you, you made us believe you just enough that you could go against this guy. Now we're going to strip all that out, too. Now we're going to take away all the armor that you've put on. So this is, this is even weirder now. This is even crazier for anybody to believe that this could actually work. Um, but he took them off anyway. So, again... Super weird. So then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch and of the shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Um, and I've skipped over. We're going to skip down to verse 45. So what happens is that it goes really, really well. We're going to skip over the rated R version of this. And the, 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 the giant is defeated. The 10-foot the longboard is taken down completely. Head is gone. We can get into that later. See me after class if you have any questions. Um, and then David says to the Philistine, you come against me with, oh, sorry. Um, so this is right beforehand. You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. 
Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel that you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I will strike you down, cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. The whole world. All those who are gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all into, your, uh, or into our hands. So he is totally confident out there. He's totally confident. So yeah, there, take that section out, put it at the end. We know what happens. Goliath is taken down. But I love what he does. If you look at how he decides to make this decision to go out and how even he makes other people let him go out, it's so weird. It's so awkward. He is not equipped. He's not ready. He wasn't even invited to the party in the first place. He's back home tending the sheep, but yet he convinces all of these people to let him go out. He's looking for what's, it's undeniable that he's looking what's in it for him as well. He's like, and, and repeating. And the Bible, like, when something's repeated in the Bible, you're like, okay, we're going to pay attention right here. He continually asked people what would be in it for the person who was able to do this. So he's looking at the rewards, and yet he is totally confident. Hans saw the faith resume that says, I have beaten big, bad things before. It doesn't totally apply here, but I'll make it apply here. And that's my faith. You guys believe in me. I know I can do this. Because, and then he says there at the end, all those who gather here will know that not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all into your hands. He went, put himself out there. He wasn't uncomfortable, so maybe you're a bit like David in that way, because he wasn't uncomfortable when he went out there. But he was looking what is going to be here. It had to have been thrilling. It had to have been really exciting to get out there and do it. And then he got it done because he knew who the battle belonged to. So I want to share a story from um, my own life on how I've, like, mustered kind of my way through this. Um, And I'm going to tell you guys a story. And this is actually really cool because somebody who knows this story super well is here visiting. Her name is Jessica. She's sitting right there. And she was on this team with us. I used to be a part of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Um, and we went to Greece to work with the refugees. That'll be my story today. And Jessica went with us. And this is one of the two Sundays, I think, that you're going to be here. Yeah? Yeah, that's crazy timing. <laughs> you're going to be here for this story. That's really cool. Um, so the story from our life is uh, that we were leading teams. So Sarah and I were part of YWAM. We're leading outreach teams. We've been doing it for years. We're going to different places. We want to share the gospel with people. There's a lot of YWAMers in this room. I'm just looking around realizing that. So you guys know what I'm talking about. And we would go and, you know, do the ministry in the other countries and stuff like that. And we had a system going for how it went. You know, you, you set up the, the outreach. You make contact with the people in another country. Like, what can we do to help you guys out? We're going to go there. We're going to do this. It's planned out. There's a lot of faith that's involved, but it's planned out and it's ready to go. And so we can go there, do ministry. It's awesome. So Jessica and I were part of a school called the School of Missions and Evangelism. It's a very hearty name, you know. It sounds like, wow, they're really going to do something serious with ministry. And so we were going to go to Indonesia and Papua New Guinea for an outreach. And so this was all set up. It was checked by the school directors. It's all checked off, good to go, everything. 
And then uh, Madison Lemaire, who's a part of this church, she's not here this morning, but she led intercession, which is prayer, uh, for our Youth with a Mission base on Greece. This was back in 2015. Do you guys remember in 2015 what was going on with the refugees? A little bit? Okay, so there was a ton of refugees from the Middle East, Syria specifically, that were coming across on tiny little rubber dinghy boats across the Mediterranean Sea. And you would see the pictures in the news, yeah, of like people are drowning constantly. Like people are not making it across. Like it's a huge humanitarian crisis. So Madison leads intercession. We're going to pray for this. We're going to pray into this. We're going to pray into this. And so I'm in a little small group. That's what we do. You know, you're a good Christian. You get in your little small group, and you're going to pray for something. So we're doing that, and Sarah is not praying at all. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Sarah, like, this is, this is an unholy thing for you to not be praying with us in this. It's socially awkward. It's unacceptable, right? She's not praying in this group, and instead her face looks like this. It's very serious. It's very serious. I'm like, what is going on with her? I'm like, what did I do? Uh, if you're married, you maybe understand. You're like, I probably did something that's precipitating this event right here. And so after the intercession time, we go back to our house, and I'm like, what's, like, what's up? Like, what's going on? And she's like, the Lord just spoke to me. And you know, you think, like, people will look a certain way when the Lord speaks to them. They're going to be like, yeah, like Sonia. Like, they're like, whoa, like, yes, like, yeah. Like, Sarah looks like this. <laughs> and she's like, the Lord just spoke to me that we have to go to Greece. We have to go. Everything's already been set up for our other trip. She's like, I have no idea how this is going to happen. But I know I have to go there and be with these people. I know we have to go there and help. So within like a day or two, we switched our entire outreach. We had to get checked by a lot of people, a lot of different things, a lot of plans had to change in order to go to Greece. There was a lot that had to move. And then most of the team prayed about it and was like, yes, we're in. You've got a word. We're going to go. We have no idea who we're going to work with there. We have no idea where we're going to stay. We don't know any of these things. Finally, a Christian organization reaches out to us. They're like, you guys can cruise with us. We have ministry to do and all that. So we get out there. It's awesome. We're like, we are living on the edge of faith right now. We changed our outreach. We changed all of our plans. We got there. And the first couple days were super weird because we're staying in, I kid you not, something that's like this little resort town on the top of the island, it was like, this is not what we came here for. We came here to be in the trenches. We came in here to, like, do stuff, which is the very technical term. We got there, and we were basically in, and so the island is called Lesbos. It's the same shape as Oahu, and so we were up in Haleiwa. That's where we were staying. If you can picture that on a Greek island, we were there, but we were like Turtle Bay, you know? Like, we were, like, doing good. Like, we were doing okay. It was expensive to stay there, though. And then we were working at this one bus stop where refugees were coming, but they already had more than enough volunteers to be there. They're like, we, we're Christians. We've got this very well run. Like, we've got this. And we're like, oh, okay, okay. Like, well, we're just here to help. You know, we felt like we we're supposed to be here. And they're like, well, there's also this camp down south, down at Honolulu side. <laughs> same, it really was the same distance. Down in Honolulu side, it's called Moria. They're overrun constantly with refugees. They have thousands of people but they're not Christians, like they're not, like it's a little bit, you know, like we don't really have any connection with them. It's this super awkward kind of like thing, you know, they don't like us so much, and so there's this tension. I guess if you guys want to go down there and do ministry, you can. We're like, yes, please, send us there. We went there. It is chaos. 
I was thinking about like like putting up pictures and stuff of it today, but it just doesn't it doesn't like um, it doesn't really do justice. Thank you, Jess. It doesn't do justice to how it was. It was pouring rain. There are thousands of people sleeping in the mud. Thousands of people there. It was just unbelievable, and we loved it. We're like, this is where we're supposed to be. This is what you got called here to do. But it's awkward now with the Christian people that we got connections with, right? So now it's socially unacceptable, but with Christians. Anybody ever had something like that where you're trying to do something faith, and then you're kind of rubbing up against Christians, and you're like, ooh, this shouldn't be happening. This is a little weird. Yeah? A little bit? Hands? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, it happens. And so that was what was kind of going on there. And so we went um, into the town, and we, we went, actually, we went to the Christians, and we're like, I'm so sorry, we can't afford to stay with you guys anymore. We can't afford to stay in the Turtle Bay of this island. We, we can't, like, we won't be able to make it more than two weeks. And they're like, okay, sorry, but we don't have any other connections anywhere else. So then you're on your own. So then we're there, and we're totally on our own. Jess knows this. She was sharing a room with Sarah and I at the time, and we're like, it's, we find something, the Lord gives us something, or like we are going home in two weeks after changes the entire three-month outreach. We're just going to have to go home because we can't afford it. So we go into this town. It's this tiny, 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 tiny town. There's like 300 people in this town, and they're all super Greek, super like older kind of community, like not people that are younger that are maybe speaking English a bit and stuff like that. And I was like, here's what we're going to do. Because I was filled with this weird, awkward boldness of faith. I was like, we're going to walk through this town until somebody gives us a place to, live, to, like, to stay. So I was like, okay, we're going to pray about this super quick. It was not a very spiritual prayer in case you were thinking that you need super spiritual prayers in order to accomplish anything. It was like, Lord, we have absolutely nothing else that we can do. We pray that this is in your hands. Amen. Let's go talk to people. And so that is exactly what we do on foot by the second house that we went to, we found the only person in the town that spoke English. The only person in the town, and she just happened to be there. She's usually in Australia. So she's half Australian, half Greek. We're like, hey, like, we need some help. Like, we're, you know, we need a place for, like, we need, like, ideally two apartments in your tiny town that probably has 12 apartments to stay. We need it to be this much money. These are the things that we need. We're here. We're trying to work with the refugees right there. She's like, I have two apartments that will fit the exact number of people that you need. There's one here, one here. Do you want to see them? I was like, we'll take them. <laughs> we'll take them. And it was like literally like so much cheaper. So we were paying, it's like something like 20 something a day per person to stay in the Turtle Bay of, of the island. And now that we're here in Honolulu and we had to rent a car to drive it every single day, twice a day to go up to the, the Turtle Bay one. And now that we're here, we can walk into the camp from the apartments, saving us all the money. It was like $3 a day per person then for us to stay there because the Lord was like, okay, I'm going to bless this. It was not overly spiritual. It's socially unacceptable. You don't walk through a neighborhood like, hey, give me somewhere to stay, please. Like, I'll pay you, but not very much. It definitely wouldn't work here, right? <laughs> not very much. And that's what we did. We went through because we were like, we know that the Lord has something to be here. We're super excited. There's a serious risk of failure, and I seriously feel like I'm overstepping cultural boundaries right now. But we had that faith, and it went super well. It just, like, happened. It was this amazing kind of circumstance. Um, and that was, yeah, that was just one of my favorite faith stories that I've ever had because it just showed that the Lord fought the battle in the end. Like the Lord 
did the work. We didn't do anything. We just showed up. And that's a lot of times what faith is, is that you just got to kind of be there, be willing to try something, and then see what ends up happening. Okay, my second story. Everybody doing okay so far? Usually I like break it up with a game, but you guys look a little on the older side for that. We have like games. There's usually candy prizes and all that kind of stuff because the key to youth ministry is feeding them well. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Youth leader. Yeah, amen. Um, so my second story actually has to do with the youth. And so this is a little bit more recent, and it's something that's coming up again soon. So I wanted to show this to you guys and share it with you guys, and it was a story of faith. So when I first started here at Blue Water, the first thing I did, it was in the middle of COVID. In the middle of COVID, it's super weird to kind of do anything to, like, you know, gather in the first place or whatever. And I was like, guys, I want to plan a trip. And they're like, what? Like, you can't even travel anywhere right now. I was like, I want to plan a missions trip. And so I planned two different trips. One was to the Philippines. One was to Kauai. Neither of them worked out because that was my safety net. That was me putting on David or Saul, when Saul put David's armor and stuff on like that. That was what it was for me. Like, I was like, I've planned missions trips, and you guys just heard, like, I, I, I'm used to that. That's not something that's difficult for me. It doesn't require a lot of faith for me to step out and do, because it's something I'm used to doing. And the Lord was like, no, no, no. You don't get your armor. You don't get any of those things. Even though it seems risky to other people, it seems like a step of faith to other people to try and do that during COVID. It wasn't for me, and it wasn't what the Lord wanted to do with the kids either. But the thing that I knew was that, the, that you need to take kids away from their parents. Sorry, parents. You have to take them away from their parents and let them experience the Lord for themselves in their own way. Otherwise, like, it, it's just not going to happen. They can't ride on anybody's faith. Faith is not a coattail thing. You can't ride anybody else's. In order for it to take root in somebody's heart, they have to experience the Lord themselves. And so then what it turned out is I had blocked, I told all the parents, if you're a parent in this room, you know this, like block out this time. I have no idea where we're going, but we're going to go somewhere. We might go to the Philippines, we might go to Kauai, we might go somewhere else, but please let me have your kids for this week. Sarah's on Instagram, all great for, faith stories have Sarah in them. <laughs> and she's on Instagram and she says in Kona, the YWAM base over there is putting on a youth camp. It's the first one that they've ever done. And you'll never guess when the dates are. It is for the week that I have told all the parents, please let me have your kids for. And that's what happened there. I'm doing all of this work and the Lord's like, I got this super easy for you. But, and so I felt super awkward the whole time. I was like talking to Albert. I'd be like, Albert, I'm so sorry. I'm canceling this trip now. Uh, sorry, we can't go here anymore. I know I said that we were going to do this, but we're not actually going to do that. I felt weird, but I was like, I still want to push forward and do this. And to the degree of faith that you're walking in will also be the degree of comfort that you're in. So you, strong man of faith over there, probably walking in a severe amount of faith because you're comfortable in it. And what happens is the more that you do it, the more you're like, I don't really care if this is weird to everybody else. I know this is the right thing to do, and I know what the reward is. And for the, the trip to Kona, the reward was that they're going to get to encounter God, and I get to have a lot of fun with them. And that's the selfish bit of it. It was really, really fun. Okay, so just to illustrate that, I want to show a quick video. It's a quick excerpt from our Blue Water Youth testimonial video from last year because we're going again in a month. So just check this out super quick. 
Alright, we're embarking on a journey today to go and hear the testimonies of the students from the Kona Commission Camp. A lot of the students like encountered the Lord for what they felt like was like the first time for them where they really took ownership of it and they were like, whoa, this isn't just something my parents believe now. This is something that like I am experiencing for the first time. Um, so I had the pleasure of going with them um, and so did Sarah and Hillary. night I was kind of freaked out because everybody was worshiping and it was crazy and I was like okay this is really weird. Amy Ward she was talking about the Holy Spirit and how he was her best friend. Somebody came over and prayed for me and I started crying even harder so then she went and grabbed another person and then both of them started praying for me and then like right then I just like fell back. I like fell onto the floor. I just felt like the Holy Spirit in me. It was really in like crazy and I was excited and I had never really, I don't know, after that I was kind of like this is actually real and this is like something that I can be a part of or yeah, have a relationship with God. How is this going to impact you maybe like with your relationships with other people? Well at school I don't have like any Christian friends, they're all very uh, zodiac sign, crystal, power, chakra stuff and I'm, I was kind of getting into that or like thinking it was pretty interesting before but I guess now I can go and talk to them and kind of tell them what I believe and what I think is like the truth. What happened with you and the Lord at camp? Let's see I would say that um, I probably was closer to God after camp than before. I witnessed a lot of miracles happening and I heard a lot of stories. What did you feel like the Lord was saying to you in that moment? felt like he was saying to go out to the um, school and friends, maybe more friends, and just tell them about God. And that's not something you were really feeling strongly to do no. before camp? No. <laughs> Thank you for letting us come to your house today. Um, before camp, I was kind of drifting away from my spirituality. Like, I knew I was, I had a prophetic gift, but I wasn't really sure what to do with that because I wasn't feeling really close to God. Really pessimistic, like, my family noticed how pessimistic I was. And just the whole atmosphere at camp was really encouraging. Everyone around me was so cheerful and I, I got one word about like feeling joyful and rejoicing in Jesus. During the trip I got like six different words about my prophetic gift which was also really encouraging and a great confirmation so I'm really trying to push into that more. I've been, <laughs> I've been giving my family words and my little sisters are kind of freaked out by it <laughs> which is funny because I'm like you have a really strong gift of prayer, like you need to dig deeper into that, you can help lots. She's like, great, <laughs> so, um, I'm only 10, <laughs> but yeah, I've been doing sort of that sort of thing, and I'm trying to reach out and to reach farther like into my community. It's like... So that's just a little illustration of camp last year.
And what the Lord had planned, well, battles the Lord's, he's going to do it. I'm getting close to running over on time. Uh, but so I just want to leave you guys with this. How should it feel? It should feel like there's that overstepping. It should feel like this isn't working maybe totally right. And so I just want to like leave you guys with that because I think a lot of times people think like, here's my 10-step process that I have downloaded from the Lord. Like, this is how I'm going to do things. I have to shift things and make things work all the time. And I have to put in all of this effort, but so then the Lord can win the battle. So that he can do what he's got to do. And it's going to be awesome. But I got to show up and I got to try things. I got to feel uncomfortable maybe for a little bit. And it's exciting and it's weird and it's awkward, but it's faith. And that's how it feels to be able to do it. Um, yeah, so that's what I wanted to leave you guys with today. Um, I also would love to call up the prayer ministry team at this time. Um, and then I would like to pray for you guys as well and see if you guys have anything that you'd like to respond to. So, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to get to share this message about faith and how messy it can be with everybody in here today. Um, and I pray for, for everybody in the room right now whose heart is burning because you're working on them. I pray that every other sound would be gone right now and that they would be able to focus in on what you're telling them. Maybe the thing they've been thinking about, should I do this? It feels weird. Help them, God. Give them the strength to go with that. That that's you. That it's okay that it feels a little bit like they're overstepping. That it feels a little bit awkward. But that you have something for them in it. Just take 10 seconds and press in with the Lord. If you feel like he's speaking to you about something, just take a hold of that. Okay, now I'm going to ask you guys to do something weird. Amen, by the way. Okay, uh, you can come up for prayer ministry at the end. Sorry, I haven't done this before, so I probably have done this out of order. You can come up for ministry at the end. Um, if you have prophetic words for somebody, please try and find them too, because I know that we're out of time. Um, but if you feel like right now, this morning, the Lord wants you to be weird with faith and has something for you to do, I want you to stand up, because it's awkward, just like faith can be. Thank you. Awesome. If the Lord is speaking to your heart to do something in faith, stand up. Amen. Awesome. I encourage all of you that are standing to go up, tell somebody about it, because then it makes it real, right? You know, like I've told somebody I'm going to do this, now I have to actually follow through a little bit on it. Okay, and, but then also, yeah, come up for prayer at the end. Talk to somebody about it. So I'm going to pray for everybody. If uh, somebody's standing near you, please extend your arm to them. We're going to lift them up in prayer super quick. Jesus, I thank you for everybody whose heart is burning right now with something that you've placed on their heart to do. And I pray, God, that whatever that is, that you would give them the boldness, that you would give them just the strength and the courage to just keep doing, keep doing it to give them the confidence that, like, even if this doesn't go exactly the way that I intended it to, the Lord is there with you to help pull you up if you mess it up a little bit. He's not going to throw out the whole thing. And I just speak 
confidence and, and boldness into your hearts and all fear to be gone right now in the name of Jesus. That only boldness and courage would remain. Uh, only the knowledge that you love us so much that it's going to be fine, even if we're weird about it, would just fill their hearts right now. That your love would just shoot them forward, Lord. That your love and that your safety net, that you'll pull them out of the water if they start sinking that that knowledge would be in their hearts today and that you give them the boldness to go forward and do what it is that you're putting on their heart to do. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Awesome. Thanks for hanging out, guys.